Boy, I'm excited about this episode of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. We've got Matt Starr, the owner of Sideline Power, the leading coaching communication gear company in America. And I'm telling you, you're going to learn all about it. It's fascinating stuff. How about this with Matt Starr? He's knocking on doors at a very tender age in Greenwood, Nebraska, selling the first products to his neighbors and his friends. And uh, it's quite a story because that led him to where he is today. This episode, of course, brought to you like all the others by Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. And of course, our producer, Grace Dunbar, doing a great job. Please enjoy Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. Well, Matt Starr, this is a treat because you're a guy I've known for a long time and you've created something in Sideline Power that is unique and special. And um, But it all starts on this show with talking about your Mayberry. You know, we all have our Mayberry. Your Mayberry is Greenwood, Nebraska. I've got I to gotta find out what was it like growing up in Greenwood? Well, I guess starting at a young age, you know, I grew up with uh, Guy Horn. Um, I had uh, several close friends, Guy Horn and Wade Rosenquist. And, and uh, you know, I had a good lifestyle growing up. Uh, my parents uh, treated me well. And, and uh, you know, we, we started a card shop at a young age. And, you know, even before that, I even went door to door selling keychains and rocks and stuff like that. So I had the entrepreneur spirit into me. So I... You know, I, I took that and I, I went door to door selling stuff. And how old were you when you started that? I was at a young age, like four or five years old, and and my mom's like, "Hey, you know, what what are you doing there?" So you know, I we we all had the same babysitter. Um, me and Guy did, and and we went over there every day, and and you know, I just found what I could do, and and I went and sold stuff, and and that's you know, growing up, we we had the east side versus west side in Greenwood, so. We didn't have a whole lot to do there. A little Greenwood. rivalry. Yep, yep. We had one gas station, and, and you know, like, yeah, we had the, the east side versus west side. And, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was very entertaining growing up. We always say all the good athletes came from Greenwood at that time. <laughs> but I'm sure the school you were consolidated with in Ashland. They're, yes, they're that gonna is take, correct. Yeah, yep. uh, they're going to take umbrage at that. But let me ask you this. I mean, here's what's fascinating to me. Greenwood, for those that don't know, it's a town of about 500, 500 people. 500 people, yeah. Very small town. You're four or five years old, and you're knocking on doors. Yeah. I mean, only, I, I only in a small town, I may right? not have been that young because my <laughs> my mom didn't let me do a whole lot. You know, I hardly could cross the tracks, you know, like his... Uh, sure. You know, she kept a, kept an eye on me pretty good. So, you know, like when the, the lights came on, I had to be home. So it's... Uh, <laughs> it was, yeah. The, they, they kept an eye on me pretty good. Oh, I'm sure they did, but... It is a throwback to a yes. different time, right? Yep. And and in a small community. I'm curious, what's the first thing you remember selling? I would say keychains. You know, I had my uncle, he gave me some keychains, and it was the old University of Nebraska schedule on it. And I don't know, he gave me probably five, ten of them, and I went door to door trying to sell these things. I don't know, maybe for a dollar, a couple dollars a piece. And, and I took that money, and, and then I was like, hey, you know, people are buying these things. You know, like, I have these cool rocks. I could go door-to-door selling these rocks, you know. And there's just some rocks I found in my driveway. So I went door-to-door trying to sell these rocks, too. So, um, you know, and every time my uncle came around, he's like, hey. And, and I had the nickname called Wally. So he's like, hey, Wally, what are you selling today? So every day, you know, I, I was trying to find something I could go sell. So from a very young age, I had the entrepreneur spirit in me, like, hey, you know, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start a business. So, you know, me and a couple of buddies, probably eight, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, we started a card shop. 
um, his, his grandparents or his his grandma had a garage, and we started a card shop, and we actually went to a lot of card shows and stuff at a very young age, too. So. And you're saying card as in C-A-R-D. Yeah, yeah, okay. sports collectibles, yep. Wonderful. So let, let, I got to start there. Yep. Uh, what was one of the first lessons that you learned? This is all about leadership lessons and, and business lessons that these entrepreneurs you know, get. And, he, and even at a young age, yep. what did you learn early on about selling and the success or failure of it? Well, you know, not to spend your money on candy, I guess. You know, you, <laughs> you got to reinvest, reinvest that money because as soon as you got that money, you wouldn't want to spend it on candy and stuff like that. So you got to reinvest and that money And you would do that. The Your business. earnings, you would turn it yep, right back into yep, the business. Yep, exactly. You know, you'd take that money and you'd want to go buy something cool like a new pair of shoes and stuff like that. Well, you got to reinvest that money back into the business instead of back into yourself. So if you reinvest that money back into the business, you know, you're going to, you're going to do good things. You know, I, I did well selling, but Hey, I, I wasted a lot of that money at an early age. So, so what was it when you were so young that drove you? I mean, was it the, the challenge and the competitiveness of just trying to get someone to buy something and, and kind of that, that ego drive? Was it being able to kind of conjure up an idea in a business platform? Uh, what was it that, that really inspired you at that age? I think it was a challenge, really. I think it was, you know, hey, I sold something. Like, you know, I always had goals, you know, like, hey, I wanted to reach a certain dollar amount each day. So, like, hey, you know, I guess I wasn't very good at fundraising, but, I, you know, I always wanted to put money in my pocket, I guess. always wanted to – I wanted to sell something. You know, I always loved sports cards, you know, even – I'd set up in the basement of our, our parents' house and, and set up like a, a table and all my cards and stuff and, and wanted to sell them there too, even though no one ever came over to my parents' house. But I had a whole cool display, but, you know, I, I think it was the challenge and the, the cool display, and it's all about marketing, you know, how you display your products and stuff. But I, I think it was the challenge of, of reaching your goals and setting it all out for but you. But what about your discipline as well? Here you are, a young kid, yep. you're making money, and you say, let's reinvest that. Yep. In the business. I mean, Warren Buffett, first off, would be thrilled to hear this, right? Yep. You're investing in you. You didn't go spend the money. So while money was a motivator, it wasn't necessarily for material things, it doesn't sound Well, like. I, I spent a lot of that money on myself, <laughs> okay. but but I, I, I tried reinvesting it back into the business. So that, you know, at an early age, I tried reinvesting back into the business. I, you know, even at school, you know, I, I, I remember going to buy a box of cards and I take that box of cards to school and I sell packs of cards to my friends and stuff. And I take that money and go buy another box of cards and go sell another box of cards at school and, and packs and stuff. So, you know, me... Is, is uh, we had a partnership. Me, Wade Rosenquist, and Ross Rosenquist were, were partners in this business. We called S and R Collectibles at a very young age, and and uh, the three of us went to card shows and stuff. So that was our first business that we had, and and you know I like to say a successful business at a very young age. You talk about the influences of your small town, Mayberry, yep. those friends, yep. right, and yep. and the ability to kind of go out and experiment from a business standpoint. Yep. What great lessons early on. Now let's talk about. Post growing up, you start getting serious and you end up being involved in a business early on that that was really on the cutting edge. And talk a little bit about that endeavor and who ended up buying it. Well, you know, DSV, I kind of really stumbled upon that job. And DSV was digital Div- sports video. That right? is correct. Yeah. Digital sports video. We, you know, we worked with several big time colleges, you know, Oklahoma State, Tulsa. Uh, Boise State, um, you know, University of Texas. There's several 
universities that use this, but we had several high schools across the country. And what, what was the, the service you were offering with DSV? It was really what Huddle offered, um, but we, we had our offline software that you downloaded onto a, a computer base, uh, a computer, because internet really wasn't a thing back then mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. The, the, internet was a thing, but it wasn't as big back then. So they, inter- they, they bought the software, they put it on a computer, and then uh, uh, they, they broke down their video is what they did. So it's what Huddle did, but Huddle took our idea and, and made it better. Um, is online platform is what they do now. But in 2006, you know, I started in 2005, 2006, and worked for them for five, six years. And then 2012, or 2011, they ended up buying us out. And so then yep. in 2011, you take some time. Where does sideline power come from? Where where does the idea germinate, or was there something in between DSV and Sideline Power for you? It, it instantly, you know, I was been thinking about this idea for the longest time. Is you know, we had DSV software. I wanted to get into the hardware business. I had a lot of the coaching contacts. Um, you know, I knew a lot of the coaches. You know, working when I first started at DSV, we only had a few hundred customers, and and we had a lot of outside sales reps, and I knew the idea of of really marketing myself, I'm not very good at face-to-face sales, but I was very good at email sales. So I could, you know, email was very new at that time. So I was emailing a lot of the coaches and getting my contact out there. Well, I was setting up demos, and it's not face-to-face demos. I was setting up demos, online demos, and that was kind of new at that time. And so I was selling a lot of software. I started a whole new division with DSV. I was at the, the cutting edge of DSV and setting up all these online demos for our reps, and we were selling tons of new schools and adding on new schools. And we built it up from a few hundred customers to several thousand at that time. Well, then Huddle came along in 2011 and bought us out. And at that time, my idea of, of starting a hardware company from a software company to a hardware company came about and right as we sold out in 2011 I started a hardware company basically the next day you know and it took a couple months to actually get set up but we we came up with sideline power and by the way give us a quick synopsis for those that don't know what sideline power is give us a quick overview of that well sideline power is basically a cutting edge what we do is we help athletic programs with you know we sell uh, end zone cameras, headsets, uh, uh, drones, um, basically all their, their technology needs for, for high school football and college football programs. And it's not necessarily football programs. We, you know, we sell into other sports as well, you know, soccer, football, um, any, any football, any, any sport that needs camera systems as well. So we're there for their technology needs. You know, we have a, a cool coach pad program. You know, when I first started out, we were just headsets only. Now we're into uh, several different products that's just more hardware-driven instead of software-driven. So were you looking at the market and saying, look, we know that the proliferation of sports is going to just continue. Uh, we know that um, uh, you know this would be a great path to take. I mean, why did you go from software to hardware? Was there a, a concrete vision you had or was there another reason? Well, you know, I had the coaching contacts, so I knew a lot of the coaches. And, you know, the software, there's a lot of support that's involved in it. So when you, when you sell software, you had to do a lot of support with it. So it t- took a lot of teaching into it. Um, and, you know, coaches are, are not always the easiest to teach into the software part of it. Yes, there is a lot of uh, – you, you get a lot of uh, 
return on it. You know, I guess there's a lot of margin into uh, software, but as far as hardware, you know, usually sell it and it's easy turn and go product. But as far as software, it, there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong with it. You know, you're, you're relying on a lot of stuff. So that's why we went down to the hardware base of, hey, I'm going to sell hardware because all I got to do is just add my margin onto it and turn around and sell it. And it was easy, easy to do. And here you go. You're working in a job and you say, I'm not going to leave this job yet. Yep. I'm going to get this thing going and I'm going to work my job. And I'm going to sell in the base of my home yep. on nights and on weekends. When did you know you had something? How soon in the business were you like, I, I'm on to something here with Sideline Power? Well, you know, it started out as kind of like a hobby. You know, I was doing it in the basement of our house. And, and you know, I, my wife, Jackie, she helped me out. She's a, a big key of where we are today. You, you know, call her the secret weapon, yeah, right, of the she's business? she's the secret weapon. You know, like, uh, you know, we're, we're working nights and testing headsets, and we're having coaches send in headsets. Uh, we're, we're buying used headsets and, and even our, our, our end zone cameras. We didn't know a whole lot about them at the time, but we're learning on stuff. But, you know, she's plucking foam. We're, we're making these cases. We're, we're building these kits and stuff. We're at the, 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 the beginning stages of learning all this stuff. And, and uh, you know, I, I figured, we're, you know, we're growing. We're, we're, we're starting to learn all this stuff about all this, what's going on. Um, you know, and we knew we had to grow. Um, you know, when our numbers started growing, you know, we're, we're, we're selling, you know, 100000 a year, and then all of a sudden we're growing to a million dollars a year. We knew we had to do something. And how quick did it take to get there? It, it didn't take long at all. You know, the first year, we instantly grew. The numbers grew right instantly. So, you know, if you look at it, there's no other company out there. There's companies that sell end zone cameras. There's companies that sell headsets. There's companies that sell, uh, you know, uh, coach pad stuff. There's there's companies that sell individual stuff, but there's not one company that sells all the products, all the products. There's only uh, one other competitor really that sells something similar to what we do. And, and did you know that going in? I'm sorry to interrupt, it, but did you know going in, Matt, that hey, we could have a niche here, or did you stumble on it after you launched it? I kind of knew it, but I, I I wanted to you know, with not wanting to invest a whole lot of money into it, and it's just myself. I kind of knew that's the path I wanted to go down. I wanted to go down the hardware path. Um, and actually, when I first started, I was wanting to build websites too. So that was kind of a, a part I wanted to do is build websites and the hardware part. Well, the websites took up a lot of manpower and, you know, going back and forth with the coaches and stuff. So we actually sold a few websites building them because I feel the key of, of selling a product is you have to have good marketing and, and have a good look and feel. So if you build good material, marketing material, It'll sell itself. So I don't care what product you're selling. If you don't have good marketing material, it's not going to sell at all. So that's the key, and I feel like that's where we we build ourselves at DSV is we had really good looking marketing material, and that's what I wanted to find a good marketing person, good graphic person for who was going to build our stuff for my own company. And I, I you know, I I designed my own logo, I designed all that stuff, and I wanted to have a good smooth look, and that was. I started at the ground up and build it from there. And by the way, your logo is great. Um, well, I appreciate it. Give me some ideas on what what motivated you, the red, the black, the white, the way it looks. I mean, how did it hit you, and, and how did you work through it in your brain to say, this is what that logo should be? A yeah. lot of owners out there looking for some help in this area, for sure. You know, I kind of have the marketing mi mindset in my myself, you know, so that's why I, I feel like I'm a marketing guy. You know, I went to college in sports management, and then I kind of went to – 
University of Nebraska in business management. So I kind of have a little bit of a background in marketing, but I feel like that's my expertise is in marketing. Hey, we're taking a little break in the show to make sure you know about Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. Not many banks have been around for 139 years, but Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland has. And why? Because they offer full-service business banking, and you'll always speak to a live human being when you give them a call at Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. They're commercial lenders. They are more than happy to share their expertise and to help you navigate any business financing that you may need, including SBA, TIF, or Nedco Financing. So go to fmnb.com. Right below me, you're going to see that website or give them a call at 402-944-3316. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. You've talked so much about marketing. Yes. Walk me through as a as a business owner, if you could give advice, what would be the advice when it comes to their marketing? What do they need to know? You got to be diligent on what you spend your money on. You know, there's there's so much out there. So many people come after you and want to spend your money. You got to be diligent on what you spend your money on. You know, like uh, I, I know people want you to to spend it here on on print advertising and on on social media SEO and all this stuff. You you got to you got to see what works. And and you know, there's certain things that work and there's certain things that don't work. Um, you know, and, and it, it's different markets. So, you know, it depends on what market you're in. I know what works for what our market is. Um, and you could see what works and stuff. And that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, I, I, I don't want to say I'm an expert, but I know kind of what works in our market. And that's why I feel like we're so successful in our market. So where do you spend your time with marketing when you know, since you know, what really works without being overly specific. Yeah. Where do you spend your time? You know, there, you got to allocate. So, you know, we allocate certain things to, um, going to coaching clinics. We do a little bit in SEO. SEO has been our biggest return on investment. So, um, in print advertising hasn't worked a whole lot for us. You know, we, we do a little bit, but not a lot, but SEO has been our biggest return investment and mass emails. They still work. You know, we, we do a lot of mass email and, and you know, that's where we're generating a lot of our leads. So, you know, we know what works and we know what we need to spend our money in. Now we may be missing something, but right now we know those are the things. Uh, biggest thing is on, on, on social media for, for football coaches. We know Twitter's the, the biggest thing where we're going to reach those clients at. It's not TikTok or anything like that, but we know we're going to reach the, the football coaches on Twitter because they're out there trying to recruit. That's who we're targeting. That's who we're going after. And, you know, that's what we tell our sales rep. Hey, you know, if we're going to try reaching these coaches, that's what we need to do. So fair to say that business owners should be willing to do a little trial and error. I mean, is that how exactly. you found it wasn't necessarily pinpointed out of the gate for you, I'm assuming? No, no. And, and you know, when you first start, you know, like 10 years ago, Twitter and stuff like that wasn't a thing. You know, you got to grow with the, as time goes on. So, you know, we're learning every day, too. Different things happen and and as, as the company grows, we're, we're, we're trying different things as well, too. But you can't just spend your money on, on going to 100 different shows and, and being on the road and going knocking on every single door and stuff. Otherwise, your company's going to go broke. You know, you got you to gotta be conservative, too. You know, there's always a point in a business where you know this is it. Yep. I mean, you, you've hit the home run, and it is time. What was that seminal moment for you when you're like, it's time to leave the job? It's time to jump into this. We've got a winner. Was there something that happened? Was there a big client breakthrough? Not necessarily. You know, 
we continued to grow. There was no pivotal moment. Like, you know, we, we just kept adding on, on, on different employees. And I was like, Hey, you know, we're adding on different employees, but why am I not a hundred percent invested in this? And, and, you know, I am a hundred percent invested in this, but I was working a, a full-time job and going there. I was even working a part-time job and going there too. So, but I was working nights too. So I, I thought, Hey, you know, why not? Am I not working a, you know, a hundred percent there full time. So that's when I just decided, Hey, you know, I don't need to do this. And I'm a guy that always wants to work, you know? So, but you know, we got, I got a family and yeah. I, I like spending time with the family too. So, you know, the, look, there are so many people are going to be watching this who say, I'm doing the same thing. I'm getting a little business started and I'm staying in my full-time job. I'm working on the side. What advice would you get them, give them to say, this is the time to leave? Because there are some folks who say, look, you know, just jump in. You got a business idea, jump in, make it happen. There are some who say, no, start it, start on the side, work nights and weekends, build into it. What would be your advice? It's, you know, it's scary. You know, it it definitely is a scary thing to do. And and you got to be financially stable to be able to do that and, and feel comfortable that you're making enough money because, you know, you got employees and stuff that, that you have to bring in enough income to pay for the employees too, that you're, you're paying their, their, their salary. And then plus you're not, you're yourself too. So that's why you have to feel comfortable, ready to jump in and stuff. Um, you know, our business is really a lot of the income comes in. It, it's, it's seasonal. So, you know, the schools get their budget really July and August and stuff. So you have to have enough money outlined for the entire year. You know, they, they don't pay us just, you know, year round. We're not having steady income year round. So really a lot of our money comes in July and August time period. So it's, it's, it's tough, you know, so you have to be ready for that moment to, to jump in. One of the other things that happened, not only did you create an niche in your business and which has been extremely successful, great at marketing, but some good fortune as well. The sports industry has exploded. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a parent the other day who said there are trainers who are making, you know, three, four, five thousand dollars a week just just training athletes now, high school athletes, right? Yep. Whether or not they go to college. Um, the select sports have exploded. Yeah. I mean, the industry, it just can, continues to get bigger and bigger. Did that surprise you? And did you see that on the horizon in 2012? It, but, you know, I, I'm a big sports fanatic. So, you know, I, I, I anticipated it coming. You know, I, there's a lot of money in sports and, you know, the budgets keep getting bigger. And, and that's what we like to hear. You know, we like to see that because more money is being spent with us. So that's, you know, we don't want it to stop. So we want to continue to, to keep innovating and coming out with new products that we can kind of keep continuing to help these these programs out too and of course you're riding that way very successfully yes. which is great yeah with, with a great strategy behind it now you'd like to talk a lot you are on the cutting edge with products you are innovative yeah how do you innovate so many business owners are saying help me I want to know. I want to continue to innovate. I want to keep my company going forward. How do you innovate? It's a. It's tough. It's a tough thing to do, and it's you never know what's the new thing that's coming out, and you got to stay ahead of the game. You know, I feel like we were the first ones to kind of bring drones into football, and then we were the first ones to bring you know drone to end zone. You know, we took a drone and put it on an end zone tower, and and we call it the drone to end zone. So it's kind of a multi-purpose thing. So you know, they can control their their drone, use it for practice, and then put it on top of a tower and use it for 
for you know the game as well too so it's kind of a drone end zone we're kind of the first ones to do that in the market as well you know kind of hurt our 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 end zone tower sells but in the turn side of it we're selling a lot more drones you know our drone business has taken off so how do you get there because i know there are some folks who say look you've got to spend an hour a week and thought you've got to read you've got to listen to pot what is it that you do to kind of get that creative juice going to say this is where we need to innovate this is the product we need you got to listen to coaches and listen to what their wants are you know you got to hear what they want to do and what they what their what their needs are so you know i go to a few of these clinics i don't go to all the clinics but i go to usually two a year and maybe more maybe maybe three but not a whole lot more but i usually go to the two of the main ones and that's usually the afca one and the thsca one and and i hear what their needs are and stuff and and usually i hear you know what our our you know our reps say you know we have a, a good culture in our our office and our reps are telling me what you know these coaches are saying and i try looking out there and seeing what products are are like it and and you know sometimes i i make a good product and and, and innovate a good product and sometimes i don't you know there's stuff that that fell that, that you know i, I try bring into market that we don't sell a whole lot of and there's sometimes that they're they're slammed up you know like basically the drone stuff we didn't know how long that would work and and now we're we're it, it's taken off you know the coach pad you know we uh, a guy can in one of our reps you know keep bringing the idea to us and we didn't know how it'd take off and, and we're selling tons of them. That's one of our top products right now. You know, it, it, um, it really hit me when I heard you say, you know, you fail because do you think that's why oftentimes business owners are afraid to innovate because they're afraid of failure? They're afraid of either financially or from an ego. How how can they get over that? Absolutely. You got to have confidence in yourself and you know, they're, there's going to be ups and downs in businesses. You never know what's going to happen. You, you know, and I always think everything happens for a reason, you know. So if you got that sign and, you know, jump in and, and give it a try, you know, everything's going to happen for a reason, I feel. Yeah. You know, one of the other areas that your business stands out, I've had a chance to, to write an article on your, your company, and I spent a little time doing some research. Your turnover in your organization is next to zero. I mean, you just don't have people leave you. Why is that? Well, we tried developing a good culture. You know, like I, I have a laid back atmosphere. You know, like a, it's not a not an easy atmosphere, but it's a laid back atmosphere. We have fun at work. Um, you know, we work. It, it's a laid back atmosphere, and we we have fun, but we we work hard, and we 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 hit numbers, and we have goals and stuff like that. So it's it's it, it's a fun atmosphere, but but we work hard. Everybody knows their duty, and and everybody contributes, and we have a a team atmosphere is how we, 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 we try, try contributing as a team. And you have people that want to work for you too. So, you know, in this, today, the number one question I get as a business coach from folks is I want to find people. I want to keep people. I want to build great teams, right? Because in this labor market, it's hard. So again, how would you say you have placed your company so that People pick up the phone and say, I'd like to come work for you. And people say, I don't ever see myself leaving. So how have you intentionally gone about developing that? Well, you know, it's not like I hire anybody. You know, I I strategically hired certain people. You know, the the, the staff I have, you know, first of all, uh, my wife, you know, she, she, you know, she joined us and it worked out great for our family. You know, she's one of the the best employees I got, you know, all employees are great. So, but she's one of the key components of our company and, and, you know, all the other employees I got too, they're, they're great as well. But, 
you know, everybody I got, I have a certain connection with, you mm-hmm. know, uh, our first employee we hired, you know, Mark, he actually, I, I coached for 17 years basketball and Mark, he actually played basketball for me. Um, so I kind of knew his, uh, I knew how his, I, I knew how he was before I hired him on. So he kind of, uh, was a good fit for us. I knew when I was going to hire him on, I knew how he was and I knew what he'd be good at. So that's why, I thought he was a good fit for our company, um, and then a couple of the other employees too. So, what do um, they need to be good at? What do you look for? Well, just depends on what I'm hiring them on for. You know, right. we have we have different different roles and stuff. And I knew I, I could read a person pretty good. And and everybody that I hired on, I kind of put them in a good role. I feel like they'd be a good fit for. And so far, I don't think I've missed a whole lot. Um, even at my previous jobs and stuff, I I always feel like I. I have missed a few times, but for the most part, I, I feel like uh, everybody that I've hired has been a good, good fit for us. Yeah. So is the, there isn't that profile that you look for. I mean, I understand if you're looking for a salesperson, they've got yep. to be able to have that ability to sell. Exactly. But across the board, is there a fit that you, that you say, whether they're coming in to be an accountant or sales or working at the front desk, I need this from them. They, they got to be a team player for one. You know, we, we create a team atmosphere. Um, I can't bring in somebody that, that, A, well, for, you know, for the sales time, they, they can't have nothing. and They don't need to know nothing about football. You know, they need to know at least about football and stuff. If they're talking to football coaches, they need to know about football. But they're, they're one of our sales reps. So we're looking for somebody to at least know about football and, and likes football and stuff. So I guess we could, but they have to be a good sales rep. But yeah. there, there is certain people that we're looking for for the roles that we, we have. You mentioned liking football. Yeah. And obviously, for the folks that work out there, um, there's no doubt there is a passion with sports. Most of them have played it, yep. uh, been involved in some level high or, or just at the high school level. But yep. let's talk about Matt Starr because you played some sports yourself. How much of a role to playing football, which by the way, you were running back, talented little running back back in the nineties. Yeah. You were a tough little point guard as well at Ashland Greenwood. So how much did that affect you from a business perspective? What were the lessons you took from that that you brought in the business world? Well, sports played a big role in my life. You know, I guess I had some great coaches growing up, you know, coach Anderson, coach Kingston, you know, Brad Jacobson as well too. So, you know, coaches, I feel like I, I emphasize anybody that, that, that play youth sports and, and uh, you know, I feel like that sets a, a good example. And, you know, Thompson's doing a great job at Ashton Greenwood. Ryan Thompson, um, football yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah Ashton Greenwood. And I feel like sports, you know, it it's, sets you up for, you know, success in life. And I feel like it, it teaches you a lot of life lessons too. Give me one. Um, What's the biggest one you think you pulled out that has helped you? Well, dedication, you know, it's teamwork, you know, that's kind of what we, 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 we do in our office is we're, we're a team. We tried being a team. Um, and that's what, you know, as a, a football team or a basketball team, you're a team there and you're, you got everybody's back. You know, I know for basketball and stuff, you know, I, it was the greatest time of my life as being part of that team when we went to state in 95 and, and, you know, in football too, you know, like. I had some of the greatest moments of my life is playing high school and high school and football and high school. Yeah. And you know, you talked about those two buddies that you grew up with guy horn yep. 
and help me with the other. Wade Rosenquist. Wade, yeah. who's gone on, I think, to a good, solid yep. business uh, you know, a career as well. Yep. And you look at, back at those days. What was it like growing up in Greenwood, Nebraska? You had these close buddies that you can run around the town with. And yet you're getting these business lessons as well. Yep. I had to be just, uh, you know, when you look back on an, an idyllic time in your life. It was a fun time, you know. We had a lot of fun moments together, and, and you know, they were my best friends, you know, and they still are my best friends, you know, even though we don't talk as much as we used to. But, you know, they, we had a lot of good times together. And, and uh, you know, like I said, Wade, Wade has gone on. And, and Guy, you know, he's over at Iowa Central and, and working there and stuff. And both of them have moved on and have families and stuff and, and, and doing good. Yeah. And, you know, so you, you, all these sports that you play, did you ever imagine that, look, I want to do something professionally in sports was it from your time playing in high school or you know did that hit you later on well I always wanted to do something in sports you know I even I in high school I wanted to be a sports agent you know I wanted to play professional basketball yeah. and I wanted to be a sports agent and, and even when I went to college you know I, I originally went to college I thought I was going to play basketball you know and and I was way too small and short and stuff so then I was, kept stats for Greg McDermott which at Wayne State that's I, right I, I did a now little Creighton stats coach. for him yeah now the Creighton coach and stuff and I always wanted to do something in sports you know I, I originally went in elementary ed and quickly switched to wanting to be a sports agent and stuff and I was like hey you know I want to be a sports agent and and then that that quickly switched I wanted to be something into sports you know I wanted to start my own business but I didn't know what so you know as soon as I got out of college or got out of college I worked for the indoor football team in Lincoln and and that went into you know I worked for the as a director of marketing for U.S. Olympics uh, U.S. roller sports and did that for a short period of time and then worked for game plan and then Game plan was a similar thing as DSV, and and that quickly transitioned into DSV recruited me on over there, and I started my own division there, and and that you know led me into where I am today at, at Sideline Power. So it, you never know. I, I feel like everything happens for a reason, and you know when I started out at, at the high school sports, it, it kind of led me into where I am today. Yeah, you know, I was watching something the other day online that said um, success is sometimes. And you're highly successful can be the worst education you can get. Yeah. You were not afraid to fail. All of these little trials that yep. you took along the way got you to where you are today. I have to imagine your advice would be be willing to experiment. Absolutely. You know, be willing to, and don't be scared to fail. You know, I, I was short and, you know, I always tried doing everything I can, you know, I, I I'm short and I was never the most talented. I was never the smartest or anything, but I always tried doing Everything I could. Well, I'm glad to see you put it in present tense as well. When you said I was short, I was like, Matt, did something happen? Because, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I, I just have loved this so much. But we're going to transition as we wrap this up uh, to some other questions here to have a little fun with this. All right. Okay. So first question is, as you know, everyone is a buzz with Matt Rule, the football coach at Nebraska. I want to know how, how many years, if ever, does he get the Huskers back to six wins and bowl eligibility? What are your thoughts? I think he'll do it this year, right away. Um, I, I think he will get us back. You're and, on board. Yes, I'm on board. What do you board. see that give you that? Uh, I just think he, 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 you know, already I, I feel like he's already kind of turned the program around. Mm-hmm. You know, he's already uh, has the community sold. 
um, you know, A, for one, he's kind of already working with us a little bit. You know, he brought his headsets on out to, to Well, no wonder fixed, you're so. sold. Yeah. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, I foresee him uh, turning the program around to at least get into a bowl game. He's not going to win a national championship, but at least turn the program around. And, and uh, you know, I, I foresee him getting to a bowl game at least. Beyond X's and O's, what's one thing that he has done that you feel like business leaders of all types could learn from? What's one thing that he's done really, really well in the well, short term here? He's he's sold the community, you know, and I feel like he that's a very important thing to do, and and I felt like in the past we haven't done that as well. Um, and I feel like he's done a very good job in, in selling the community and and at least getting back to his emails and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like he, he's going to do well. It, hopefully, hopefully we we see good things. All right, your product of the '90s. I want to know what is the movie in the '90s that you remember seeing that you have to watch at least once every other year. Give me a movie that just stuck out uh, stuck out to you in the 90s. Well, you know, I didn't watch a whole lot of movies, but you know, I always watched, you know, Home Alone, you know, it's a <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, I probably watch that. How once often do you watch that? About once a year uh-huh. every, every Christmas time or you know, uh, um, yeah, that's probably Home Alone. I love it. All right, last one. You're home. You get to make whatever pizza you want. You don't have to take anybody else into consideration. What goes on top of that pizza? Uh, barbecue and chicken. So it's a barbecue chicken pizza. Look at that. That's pretty healthy. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't <laughs> be for me. So <laughs> what would you pick? Oh, something other. It, it probably you know, pepperoni. It's got to be a ton of protein oh, That's really? and a ton of cheese. Not many vegetables. Yeah. So if it's green, I don't want it on there. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been awesome, Matt. I got to tell you, um, there's so much. Uh, you're, first off, your business has just been amazingly successful. Um, what you've done from the basement of your home. Uh, to where you're at today and the future looks incredibly bright in a way you have it well positioned the fact that you have so many people that want to work with you and for you says so much about you as well so uh great success continued success and thanks a million for coming on the show today well i appreciate you having me on here a media production